We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today, I, I want to talk to you about this. I want to I talk to you about the F word. Are you on board now? Yeah. Forgiveness. The F word. How do I forgive? How do I forgive? How do I forgive? Um, I believe that uh, many people don't r- really understand what forgiveness is. I'm convinced that if more people knew what real forgiveness looked like, they'd be more willing to forgive instead of holding on to grudges, offenses, and bitterness, and past hurts at such an unhealthy level. Truth is here today, sitting here listening. Most of us at some point in our life have been hurt. We've been hurt. Most of us have been wounded. Some have been abused. Could be verbal abuse, could be physical, spiritual abuse, Most of us in here have been uh, taken advantage of, have been betrayed, gossiped about, lied about, cheated on. Maybe by a friend, maybe by a spouse, maybe by a family member, maybe from a complete stranger. Maybe it was 40 years ago, or maybe it was 20 years ago, or maybe it was this year, maybe it was this week. The point is we can all relate and we can all come to an agreement that this, it will not be the first or the last time that that would happen to us if it happened once it'll happen again because we live in this world and we hurt each other sometimes intentionally sometimes unintentionally and I love God's word because it just has all the answers to life and it talks so much about uh, forgiveness and really forgiveness is one of the central themes of the Bible forgiveness and so that brings me to our text, Matthew 6, 14, verse 15 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, when they hurt you, when they betray you, when they lie about you, your heavenly Father will what? Also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. So today I want to look at what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? This is the second most asked question on the survey. If you don't like the message, it's your fault you asked for it. What is forgiveness? Before we do that, let's look at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, number one, minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. To forgive someone doesn't mean the wrong against you doesn't hurt. Pain is pain. Hurt is hurt. Nor does it mean just because I forgive you that all my pain will go away. 
You can forgive somebody but still be healing from the pain of that hurt. It will take time to heal. Number two, forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. It is not the instant restoration of trust. Trust must be built over a period of time. If people hurt you over and over again, the Bible says that you're obligated to forgive them, but you are not obligated to instantly trust them. Are you hearing me today? Can I get an amen or an oh me? Rick Warren says this, forgiveness must be immediate, whether a person asks for it, but trust must be built over time. Time requires a track record. You are not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. So forgiveness is not, number one, minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. And the third thing, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. Resuming the relationship without any changes. Things must be different. Things must be different. Those certain individuals cannot be allowed in the deep end of your friendships right away. If a relationship is going to be restored, if a relationship is going to be restored, whether it's with family, friends, co-worker, if a relationship is going to be restored, the offender must do three things. Number one, repent. Number two, offer restitution of what has been stolen when possible. And number three, rebuild trust over a period of time. Number one, the offender must repent. They must acknowledge their wrong. Number two, they must offer restitution if there have been things stolen, if there have been bad business deals, if there have been things promised, if someone, if someone betrayed you in a way, there must, they must offer restitution. And then the third thing, there must be a rebuild of trust over a period of time before they are allowed even into our lives. Are you hearing me today? This is a good note-taking message, by the way. So let's look at what forgiveness is. We've seen what it isn't. Let's look at what forgiveness is. And the Bible says forgiveness is four things. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Oh, can we say this together? Forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. (laughs) I think we forget, don't we? The hurt overshadows the sin and the pain that Jesus took away from our lives. All we see is the current offense. All we see is the current betrayal, the current lies. All we see is I can't stand them. I hate them. I will never forgive them. The truth is some of you have said that in here today. I will ne- I'll take this to the grave. I'll take this to the grave, but we have forgot how much we've been forgiven. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. 
Hmm? The love of Jesus Christ covers your sins, but it also gives you the power to let other people off the hook. It also gives you the power to forgive. And only you can forgive the person who hurts you. Only you can release it. I was praying this morning in my office and I just had this illustration by the Holy Spirit. It's like many of you are holding hurts and pain like a balloon. And many of your hands are so full of these balloons and you're just walking around with these hurts and this unforgiveness and this offense. And you, you're the only one that can release the balloons. You're the only one that can release it and let it go up to him. And let it disappear in the sky. But many people go their whole life holding on to those balloons of hurt, bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. Here's the thing. If you don't feel like you've been forgiven, you won't forgive anyone else. If you don't know that your God has wiped the slate clean of your past, it's very hard. To forgive anyone else. If you don't have that revelation. How much Christ forgave you. It's so hard. If you are hard on yourself. You're going to be hard on others. Let me say this. Let me say this. A lot of times forgiveness starts. With forgiving yourself. And for some of you. You've never forgiven yourself. You've never released. The own. Your own hurt. The own. Your own mistakes. You've never released it. And so therefore you cannot offer forgiveness to someone else because you are fighting yourself. There's an internal war going on. You lock yourself in your own prison when you don't forgive those that hurt you. Isolating yourself from people, places, in the joy of life. What is the key to freedom? Forgiveness, just like Christ forgave you. Forgiveness, just like Christ forgave you. Hashtag, let it go. Frozen was right. They were right. They were right. Let it go. There's a story in Luke chapter 7, 47, 48. The woman with the alabaster box, she comes and she interrupts. How dare her? Interrupts a meeting with Jesus. And the disciples. She's an immoral woman who slept with many men. She breaks open this box and begins to worship Jesus with the oil that cost over a year wages. The church leaders of those days, the Bible says, said, She is sinful. Do not let her touch Jesus. Don't let her get close to Jesus. And he Pipes up in verse 47 of Luke chapter 7. Says, I tell you, her sins are many. And they've been forgiven. See, a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. This is what Jesus said. Her sins, yep, there's a whole lot of them. I got a whole list. Come on now. I know. I know, but she's been forgiven. And you see, a person who is forgiven little only shows a little love. Why could she come and show a whole lot of love? Because she had been forgiven a whole lot. You see, when you know that you've been forgiven 
from your past failures and your mistakes, you love a whole lot. You have more grace on people because you know that your heavenly father has wiped the slate clean of your past. So number one, forgiveness is remembering how much you've been forgiven. Number two, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Oh, it's going to get a little harder as we go along with the points, so just get ready for it. Yeah. I didn't say forgiveness was easy. I didn't say it was easy, but it is possible because some of you have some crazy stories. Some of you, you're just not trying to forgive someone who cut you off in the Kroger line. Come on, somebody. Not trying to forgive someone who uh, got their food before you at the restaurant and you were there 15 minutes before them and put your order in. Come on, somebody. You got some real deep wounds, some real deep issues. Forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. Leave it to who? Leave it to God. For he has said he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law in your own hands. Listen, life is not fair. Life is not fair, but one day God's going to settle the score. One day God's going to settle the score. He's going to right the wrongs so so we can get better justice. Who can get better justice? You or God? Who can get better justice? You or God? God can. God can. God can. And uh, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even with others who have hurt you. Now, we live in this highly sensitive, easily offended culture, don't we? I mean, it, it, it's like, okay, I have black jeans on and a co- oh, I'm offended. Why are you offended? Oh, I just don't like that color, so I'm offended. I mean, we get offended. It, it's almost trendy now in our culture to be offended. It's almost like the trendy thing. Let's just, let's find some reason to get offended about somebody. It's so ridiculous and it's so prevalent on social media. That's why, anyway, some of you need to stay off social media because you get offended very easily. You get offended very easily. I've gotten offended very easily over social media comments directed towards me or our church. Yeah. I almost replied yesterday. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. Someone put something up, and it was a loaded question towards us. And I knew it was because I know them, and they have been here before. And it was a loaded question. And I was like, oh, I want to say something. Oh, you did not just talk about my church. (laughs) And then I remembered the message that I was preaching. (laughs) So it stopped me. Not sure if it will next week, but pray for your pastor. (laughs) But it's easily to get offended in our culture, and the devil loves to get us offended because it robs us of two things, our peace and our purpose. Our peace and our purpose. It robs us. It's so exhausting. It's so distracting to live offended, to always be looking for a reason to be mad at somebody. It's so exhausting, and it creates collateral damage. And when you live this offended life, you attract other people who are always offended, always coming against, tearing down, right? How about we are known for what we're for instead of what we're against? 
Jesus went around telling people what he was for, not what he was against. For too long, the church has always pounded a pulpit and said, we're against them and we're against that. And we're, what are we for, church? Hmm? And so we argue, we rant, we get in sin on social media because we don't agree with somebody's political preference. We do. We do. And we become offended about everything. The grocery store didn't have milk, and now you're ready to strangle the guy in the back with the milk carts. It ain't his fault. Blame the cow. I mean, we're blaming cows and the farmer. You know, we'll find somebody to get offended at. And some people, if they, they're just looking for their next person to pray on to be offended over. Some of you go into your job every week looking to be offended at something. And you feed on that. And when you feed on that, it becomes like a cancer that grows and takes over your whole body. And then you have this thing called bitterness that if bitterness is laid long enough within your heart, it, it, it takes root. Bitterness takes root within your heart and you become this nasty, bitter, non-smiling Christian. Walking around all the time looking for a reason to be mad at somebody. Looking for a reason. This ain't in my notes, but it sure is good. Looking for a reason to be offended at the world. Offended at your spouse. Offended at your family member. Offended at your co-workers. What can I get on them now? How can I ruin their day now? Because my day sucks every day. Because I'm offended. I only got 10 minutes, but that right there was worth it. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yes, you do deserve to retaliate, but you must commit not to do so. This isn't a one-time decision, but it's a daily decision. It's an hourly decision. Your flesh wants to give them what they deserve. You're going to want to give them a piece of your mind. Huh? So number, number two, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to get even. Number three, forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, 28. But to you who are listening, I say, this is Jesus talking, how do we know that? The words are in red. Revelation. Anyway, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray. Oh my gosh, Jesus, are you serious? Pray for those who mistreat you. No, I don't want to pray. I want to slap them on the face. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. I said, Jesus, I turn both cheeks. It's ready to hit them now. Come on, somebody. I did that cheek turn. It's, I'm out of cheeks. Well, this cheek, this cheek. <laughs> I turned them all, Jesus. Now I'm ready to fight. <laughs> they did me wrong. They hurt me. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. How can you tell? When you've really forgiven somebody, when you can look at the person's hurt and not just your own, and you can pray 
for God to bless him or her. You ask, how, how can I even do that to the person who's hurt me? Well, you can't unless you allow the love of God to pre- penetrate your heart. It's only when you have love, God's love can you forgive others. Because in our human strength, we cannot forgive. We want to retaliate. Only God's love can help you do something like this. Because God's love doesn't keep track of our wrongs. Once I forgive them, I can stop looking at how they hurt me and start seeing why they did it. And I can actually be sympathetic and begin to pray for them. And my my prayer for them may not change them, but my prayer will always change me. It will always change me when I pray for those who have hurt me. It's hard. I didn't say it was easy. It's hard to do, but it sure is biblical. I've found in 20 years, this may will be 20 years of full-time ministry, I've found that in 20 years of talking with people, counseling with people, being involved in people's lives in the church, that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the people that we have unforgiveness against are the ones that have our last name. Are the ones that carry our last name. Family members fighting, mom against dad, dad against kids, sibling against sibling. The devil loves to divide families. He loves to get that unforgiveness in our hearts. He loves to say, I'm not talking to them. I'm taking this hurt to my grave. He loves for you to say, they're not seeing my kids. They're not seeing my grandkids. They're not, they're not coming over for Christmas. They're not going to be a part of anything we do. He loves, oh, he feeds on that. Oh, some of you don't like that. We hit the nerve right there, right in the last five minutes. That's why you came to church. I'll move on to my fourth and final point. Forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. How long do you keep forgiving a person? As long as it takes. As long as it takes, you keep forgiving that person until the pain stops, until the desire to get revenge goes away. You keep forgiving them. You keep forgiving them. Because forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and realizing the prisoner was you all along. It was you all along. Along. It was you. I, I, I love what Jesus tells to Peter when Peter approaches Jesus about the issue of forgiveness and offers up the number seven. You see, it's more than just a number because within Judaism, forgiving someone three times was considered sufficient. It was considered sufficient. So Peter's offer of seven is over twice the requirement. And in comparison to the law, a generous offer. At least I'm sure that's what Peter was thinking. I went over 
double what the law said, Jesus. Is that good? Seven times? But instead of approving this, Jesus actually raises the stakes and tells Peter to forgive, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. I can almost see Peter's jaw dropping. Jesus is getting his point across. It's not a numbers game, Peter. It's it's not about numbers. It is a heart issue. It's not a math problem. It it is not about marking something off of your checklist. It's about living a lifestyle of forgiveness, love, and grace towards others who have hurt you. Our world, our world, our culture operates totally in opposition to this principle Jesus gave. We depend on give and take, balance and counterbalance, debts and credits. We like keeping score which begins to look a lot like a toxic tug of war. You hurt me, so I'll hurt you. You talked about me on social media, so I'm going to get back at you. You treat me nicely, so I'll treat you nicely. Your kids were mean to my kids, so my kids are going to be mean to your kids. You offended me, so I'm going to offend you. Man, this is good preaching. Only got two minutes. It's a shame. The problem with this is that when you keep score in a relationship, everyone loses. As followers of Christ, we're called not just to forgive when it's convenient and fair. We're called to live a life of forgiveness. It isn't just a good idea or some helpful advice Jesus was giving. It's actually foundational for followers of Christ to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Forgiveness, Because in every relationship, no matter what it is, there's one, one thing for certain. Both you and the other person will be imperfect. You will say words that hurt someone. You will mess up. You will make mistakes. And you will both need to apologize. So rather than keeping st- score, let's try keeping a commitment to forgive. Two things, two things in a relationship, especially a marital relationship, two things to do as quick as you can, as quick as you can. And this could go outside of your marital relationship. It could go with your friendships. It could go with family members. Two things you do, do as quick as you can, repent and forgive. Repent and forgive as quick as you can, as quick as you can. Don't hold on to that. Repent and forgive as quick as you can because it it just leads to unhealthy, toxic emotions that spew out of your mouth and affect you and your kids and the whole family as quick as you can. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns you've messed up, I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. 
in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and uh, I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.